0: Accountable before God. Young people. Young people nowadays, they never take anything seriously. How often haven't you heard something like that? A a gripe, a grumble that uh, back in my day, things were just better. But they don't follow. They don't follow the paths today. It's kind of a common gripe, a common grumble for old guys like me. But that's not the approach that Solomon takes. Rather, Solomon looks at life and the vigor of youth, and 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 something of, of the folly of youth in a way, and and commends it. He says, em- "Embrace being young. Embrace youth. Embrace the energy that comes." with it. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. It's a gift from God. Enjoy the sun, he says. Rejoice in your days. Rejoice in your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. Enjoy the sight of your eyes. All of these things are good. They're from the the hand of the creator, the, the, the God who changes not. The God who created all things very well. He did not send us here to be sourpusses. He sent us here to enjoy the good things of life that he has set before us. And all of these admonitions point to the beauty, the joy, the blessing of enjoying the faculties of youth. While we're still young. Because if we live long enough, we won't be young anymore. And we won't have the strength anymore. And we won't have the brightness of the eyes anymore. Those things will fade. Now, understandably, these verses are often used as a a pretext for the modern mantra of just follow your heart. They they snatch that one little clause out of the middle of it and and pretend that this is the the soul and sum of, of the gospel. Just follow your heart. Do what makes you feel good. Solomon's not saying anything like that. He's not contradicting Jeremiah, who says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Solomon knows his theology very well. And especially being under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the penning of Scripture, it is perfect. So, no, we can't take this and, and say, Solomon says, Do whatever you want as some sort of divine right to, to go out and live in rebellion, by no means. Solomon has two particular things in view in these verses before us. Namely, he's looking at life under the sun. And he's been doing this throughout Ecclesiastes. What, what is reality? What What is life really like here in this mortal life? When we wake up every morning and we see the sun, we know that there'll be good things and bad things. There'll be joys and disappointments, happiness and tears. He's looking at that. And secondly, he's looking at the reality that we are here under the authority of God. We are not here as free agents, but we are under the the. the Authority of the holy and sovereign God who rules and reigns over all things. Not a hair can fall from my head without his knowledge. So both of these are, are kind of held in tension here. Follow your heart as one who is under the authority of a holy and a righteous God. One commentator noted it this way where he says he that is God does not want us to seek joy in being promiscuous or in doing drugs or in watching harmful movies but he does commend us to responsible pleasure to enjoying those good things that God has set before us to his glory for our good. he's encouraging us to take hold of life now. To embrace it. To, to live for his glory. To profitably enjoy the good things which come from a very good God. So the first point I'd like to consider this evening is. Enjoy the goodness of life. We're not Stoics. We're not to be in some monastery hidden away from from the world, secluded from from all things. We're not Anabaptists living in in a colony. We're, we're, We're sent here to enjoy the goodness of life. Truly, the light is sweet. and It is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. Creation was given as a blessing. God created in six days and behold, it was good. Everything perfect, set in order, established by the goodness of God, reflecting who He is. Nature proclaims the wonder of God as we, we sit, we, we see the stars, we see the Milky Way, we, we see the unfathomableness of God. And and the minutia of God and in, in, in the way they're put together that, that scientists can never even Bear down to see the patterns, the perfection, the care, the precision. Creation is wonderful. It is beyond our comprehension. Because it's made by a God who is far beyond our understanding. There's a great wonder to be had in, in perceiving creation and considering Creation to, to meditating upon creation. The light is sweet and it's pleasant to the eyes. Enjoying it as, as creatures who are made to enjoy all things as a gift from God. And with time, our bodies will grow old. Our eyes will lose their sight. We may lose our hearing. We may lose our sense of smell. And, and, and Solomon's saying, While you have that, while you have all of these faculties, don't take them for granted, but enjoy them. We're being reminded to enjoy the strength of youth while we still have it. It's far too easy to take the vitality of youth for granted. I know I did. I abused my body in a hundred different ways, paid for it later. Only to recognize that that has been squandered. Young, single people. You have time now to enjoy the wonders of creation. Without all of the the headaches. I shouldn't say headaches. The responsibilities of married life and business life. And everything that is to come. Enjoy it. For the glory of God. See. The wonders that God has set before you and stand in awe of who he is. In time, your lives will grow busier and and, and the temptation is to, to miss all of the stuff. So pay attention now. Young married people, rejoice in the wonder of marriage while you're young and full of energy. My wife reprimanded me when my next line was, you have plenty of time to grow old and bitter. So I won't say that. But enjoy it now while you're young. You're, you're, you're in, infatuated with the wonders of, of a, a young marriage and, and a growing family. It is a gift from God. Praise him for it. A long life is, is to be enjoyed. If God blesses you with many years, as I am, just uh, last month we had opportunity to celebrate with one couple... Within a month, they each turned 100 years old and celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. And they live alone and he still drives around town. That's a wonderful thing. I don't anticipate that. Probably you don't either. But it's it's a wonderful thing. And Solomon says, if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, God has given life. It's to. Celebrate the God who has given it. It's a natural conclusion to the reality that God created all things very good and if he's given us life, if he's numbered our days into that many years, enjoy every one of them as a gift from God. But then there's a warning. those many years are very good and they're a gift but they're also For with sorrows, aren't they? Because life is not all about fun. Especially, well, only because we live in a sin-cursed world. Modern health and wealth preachers will tell you to live your best life now. Solomon doesn't fall for that one. He says there's going to be a lot of sorrows in your life. If man lives many years and rejoices them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness. Because as we see the days of joy, the days of marriage, the days of having children, the days of, of a, a good day's work, the days of, of receiving promotions and receiving recognition as gifts from God, Solomon says there's also the flip side. There's days of broken relationships. There's days of of broken bodies where where disease and injury will affect. There's days of sorrow as loved ones are taken away. These two come not by chance, but from the good hand of a loving God. Enjoy the days of joy, but give thanks to God also in the days of sorrow because they will be also many. They're given for our maturity. Let us remember the days of darkness. Remember what God is doing through us, through the sorrows, remembering how God is pointing us to to the, the joys of eternal life as our bodies grow weak, how he reminds us that he is the God who will never leave us or forsake us as we see our relationships being broken, reminding us that we're living for a time where there's no more sorrow, no more tears as we're standing at the funeral of a loved one. Remember them as well. Because through them, the Lord strengthens us, matures us, prepares us for all that he has set before us. You ever wonder why so many of the heroes of society end their lives in suicide? They have it all. They have the recognition. They have the fame. They have the money. They have the influence. Everything that the world says, this will give you happiness. This will make you satisfied. And they have it all, and there's nothing else that they could ask for. And guess what? They realize that they're still empty. Because that has become their God. That has filled the space that that God says, this is me. Find your satisfaction in me. And they've gone outside of that. And and they've found everything that they've searched for. And there's nothing to give them true comfort. The authors of the catechism address that very question very well, don't they? As a Christian, what is your only comfort in life and in death? It's not in fame, it's not in drugs, it's not in money, it's not in influence. It's not in any of these things. It is found only in my union with Christ, that I belong body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. That's my not my best but my only comfort. And in those dark days, when the pain seems to be overwhelming, when the billows of the sea crash down upon us, Solomon says, remember that you belong to God. Remember that God sustains his children, that in these dark times he matures us and he perfects us. Child of God, do not let these pains drive you away from the foot of the cross. But rather let them drive you closer to the foot of the cross. As Christ, your only comfort, says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You're being prepared for eternity, perhaps even being chastised for our sins. He does that too. But if you're a child of God, he's doing it all for your good and for his glory. In this fallen world, there will be many sorrows. Let them mature you. Let them instruct your Christian walk and not detract from it. The world learns to hate God more and more in sorrows. It says, it's not fair. It's not fair. But you, child of God, learn to love him more and more because he is your refuge and your strength, your very present help when in time of trouble. There'll be many of these days, he says, especially if we live long. Let them remember the days of darkness. For they will be many, and all that coming is vanity. If you've lived many decades, you know that with age comes sorrow. With age comes weakness. With age comes decline. By necessity, living in a sin-cursed world, with age comes even more trials. I've sat by the deathbed of more than one godly saint who, in their frustration, said, Has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten to take me? I have so many sorrows, so many pains, so many hurts, so many loss right now. I just want this life to be over so I can be with the Lord. And he doesn't seem to ever take me. we have to gently remind even that dear grandfather, that dear grandmother, that dear saint, that it's the Lord who's numbered our days. And as much as we may desire to go to him now, we can wait patiently because he is even now doing a good thing. Those days may be many and they may be sorrowful but they will not be empty for the Lord will still be with you because he is the God who has done all things right. So let's bring some of these thoughts together. Young people, in the strength of youth, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Enjoy that strength that God has given you and enjoy it for his glory. Know that, that what you have is a gift from God and is a gift to be used for him. Enjoy the many blessings of life as life brings sorrows and trials and darkness, which it will. Know that these two come not by chance, but by from the fatherly hand of God. Therefore be strengthened in the days of darkness and do not be brought low. And for those of us who are Beyond the days of youth. We're being reminded that even as our bodies grow weaker. That we are not to despair. Life here under the sun is vanity. It is fleeting. It is ephemeral. It will pass away. And our day will come when the Lord will take us home. A day which he has already appointed. So be living for that day. And not for the vanity of a sin-cursed life here under the sun. Be living for eternity. Where these things are taken away and there's no more sounds. As one dear parishioner back in Grand Rapids put it so eloquently. Then I'll be jumping fences again. I'll be a new person. We're living for that. This life is not in the end, but we are living for the Son of God who has prepared a home for us in heaven. Secondly, follow your godly dreams. The world just says, follow your dreams. But but Solomon's well, Our dreams are affected by the sin of this world. Follow your godly dreams. Rejoice, O oh, young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of youth. Walk in the way of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for these things, God will bring you to judgment. Kind of a, a there. There's so much to do and follow it, but be careful, because God is holy and righteous and faithful, and He will judge those who sin against Him. Life is full of opportunities especially for the young. Life is made up of of seeking out those opportunities. What does the Lord have in store for me? What will be my career? What about marriage? What about family? There's so many unknowns. Will I live here? Will I live elsewhere? What job will I have? So many questions, so few answers. And even if you think you have all the answers, look back in 20 years and realize how few you really have. A lot of questions, a lot of opportunities. Life could go a lot of different ways, it seems. Solomon encourages the the young man, the young lady to approach life with with cheer, with with joy at the prospects, knowing that God is doing a good thing. And he will lead you, he will guide you, he will direct you in, in, in all righteousness. You desire a husband and a wife or a wife? Well, you can trust in the Lord. He has already set the path. Know that you belong to the very God who knit you together in your mother's womb. You don't know what tomorrow brings, but you know the God who has numbered your days, who has put you together, who has formed you, who has established a path for you. And you know that he loves you. And whatever that path looks like, it will be very good. Because it's he and he alone who has equipped you for all that he has set before you. Enjoy the adventure. It's from God. Solomon says, don't take it for granted. Embrace it. Use your talents, your skills, your gifts to better prepare yourself for God's plan for your life. What does God have in store for me? I don't know, but I'm going to prepare in every way I can. Hone your mind and your learning. Sharpen your relational skills. Take advantage of the life-building opportunities. They're set before you now to to prepare you. But once again, there's a somber word. The world will proclaim something that sounds very similar to this, but it leads to death. The greatest lies are 90% truth. The world says, if you got it, flaunt it. The world says, you only live once. The world says, just do it while you still can enjoy it. The world says, life is for the living. Do whatever makes you happy. The world says, do all that you want now. You can always change when you get old. The world says, just follow your heart. And ignores the truth that the heart is desperately wicked. That's not Solomon's advice. That's not the advice of the Holy Spirit. What Solomon is reminding us is that if we walk in wickedness, God will bring us to judgment. We will consider this clause more closely, Lord willing, in the third point. But it's good for us to take note of it now. As we consider following our, our godly dreams, that we will be held accountable when we walk away from him, contrary to his precepts. He will not be mocked, not be scoffed at. We're warned that such foolishness will always fall under the righteous judgment of God. We see that there's an attitude then for following your dreams. Therefore, remove sorrows from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. There's an attitude of purity that Solomon recommends to us. To prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds, to prepare our bodies in, in purity, to to seek after those things that reflect God. Well, Solomon was so far from advising us to indulge the flesh that we're being instructed to follow the path of purity and of godliness. And guess what? Solomon knew this right well. He didn't always follow the path of purity, and he paid for it. In so many ways where, where he was led away by his many wives, by his many girlfriends to, to follow after the, the false gods, the false idols, to even to establish high places for them, to, to set up groves where, where they could worship. And, and his heart was led away. This man who knew the wonders of God. He was a son of, of King David, a man after God's own heart. He was given wealth and wisdom without power. And he was led astray when he followed his own whims and he suffered for it. So Solomon, as an old man, is cautioning you, don't don't do what I did, He might say. Walk in godliness, prepare your heart now. Or as what Paul calls, indulge the fruit of the Spirit which in Ephesians 5 he calls the fruit of the Spirit is all godliness, righteousness, and truth. Live for God. Follow your heart in all righteousness, in all goodness, and truth. Be preparing yourself for a life that belongs solely to the Lord, and you will be blessed in all your ways. Young people, once again, how are we to seek God's plan for your life? Well, Solomon's instruction can be summarized in this way. Seek those things which are good. Is there something that interests you and is it good? Is it something that is honorable? Something that that would, through which you can glorify God? Well, What he has in store for you will be something that is of interest and is a good. Seek those things which God has especially skilled you for. Seek those things which interest you and seek those things which best glorify God. In attitude in an attitude of joy we also see. Remove sorrow from your heart, not just purity, but one of joy. Do what God has set before you with joy. So quickly bitterness or pride or selfishness can consume us. We must learn while we live here under the sun that God has set it before us in our life that we can walk with joy. Because we belong to the God of all holiness, the God who has created all things, the God who has sent his only begotten son to redeem us from our sins. Yes, we can live... Enjoy the third part of the catechism, one of gratitude or of thankfulness that necessitates a a heart of joy, whether it's our marriages or vocations or even the trials of life. Joy in knowing that we are walking with our Lord, the one who does all things well. And finally, let trials point you to eternity. We already noted that there'll be many of them. We see this at least in three points. A, or in 8B, for those days of darkness will be many. In, in 9B, know that the God will bring judgment. And 10B, for childhood and youth are vanity. Trials, sorrows, and tribulations are not an accident. They serve a purpose and they should prepare us for eternity. For the enemy of God, they serve the purpose of expressing God's perfect hatred. Even in this life, they're being reminded of God's judgment upon them. But for you, child of God, those same trials, those same hardships, those same tribulations serve a far different purpose. They point us to the love of God in Christ. Trials remind us of our need for a Savior as we live as sinners in a sin-cursed world. We see that we cannot do it on our own in these trials and we're being taught to flee to Christ. The one to whom we belong. They serve a purpose. And there are many. Sorrows building up upon the head of a child of God should not surprise us. You and I have seen fellow believers who have suffered unbelievably throughout their life. They serve a purpose they their many. Our many sorrows are here to remind us that the Lord Jesus Christ bore the trials, the sorrows, the guilt, the pollution, the curse of all his beloved people, and that is many. My sins, my afflictions, Are innumerable. And he bore them all upon his shoulders. So yes the trials will be many. Because our offenses are many. And our savior bore them all. We see a lifetime of darkness. We see Christ who suffered the infinite wrath of God. For our many sorrows. Let us rejoice in the complete redemption. Through that Christ who has redeemed us from them all. And we can then be reminded of him as we suffer even a little bit in this fallen world. Trials point point us to God's justice. For all these things, God will bring you into judgment. It's in times of ease that the church grows weak. And yet in times of trial, the church is tempered like fine steel. She is honed. She has become strong. And this is also true of the individual. Are you going through terrible sorrows, darknesses, and pain? Be reminded that in this suffering, as we live in this sin-cursed world, God is perfecting us and preparing us for eternity. He demands perfection, and these trials are perfecting us. As we suffer a little while in this life under the sun, as Christians, our life is being sanctified in preparation for an eternity where we can live without sorrow because our sins were judged upon the shoulders of the Son of God. And these sorrows and trials then sanctify the child of God. Childhood and youth are vanity. Childhood can be a time of joy and of expectation. As we're older, we can look back and say, perhaps it was because they didn't know better. <laughs> but those trials serve a purpose, right? We've just been looking at that. They, they, they prepare us for eternity. In our pains, we're prodded towards godliness as Christians, our lives can never remain the same. We're being changed and changed into the image of God. If we're not being perfected, then we're being becoming spiritually dead. So, child of God, take full advantage of your sorrows and pain. Embrace them even as, as the working of God in your life. Learn to trust in the love and the peace of God more and more. Learn to put off the old man of selfishness and pride and learn to put on the new man which trusts day by day in the sustaining strength of God in our redemption. Accountable before God. God has set us here to enjoy life, to to love him, glorify him forever. But he's put us here to be molded, to be sanctified, to be prepared. And he's promised that he has covered all of our sins. And he has promised that he will never leave us. So follow your heart. So far as your heart follows the God of our creation. Amen.